0: ...is an Odyssey original. This is a special edition of X In-Depth. The death of Queen Elizabeth. I'm Mike Simpson. I'm Charles Feldman. The long reign of Queen Elizabeth II. Now over.
1: Buckingham Palace has announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. A statement from the palace said, The Queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon.
2: Queen Elizabeth was 96. She was the longest reigning monarch in UK history at 70 years... She was crowned after her father's death. That was back in 1952. She leaves behind one of the biggest legacies in the country's long history. So we will spend the entire program going in-depth into the life and reign of Queen Elizabeth. Her son, Charles, is now king. We will explore the reign ahead for him and what happens to the royal family now.
0: We get reaction here in the U.S. Elizabeth, very popular here, had a big impact on U.S. and U.K. relations, met with every U.S. president except one during her time on the throne, was more than just a queen, global pop culture icon. We explore what made her so popular all around the world.
2: Queen Elizabeth, as we said, uh, dead at 96. With us now from the UK is Jack Kessler, writer, columnist and author of the Evening Standards West End Final Newsletter. Jack, thanks for being with us again. So set the, the scene for us, if you will, about, at least in London, how this is going down.
3: Hello there. Well, it's A shock. Um, You know, of course, the Queen was 96 years old and her health had been deteriorating over the last few months and years. But for someone so constant in everyone's lives to all of a sudden have passed is uh, and will always be a, a shocking moment that I think we're all only just digesting.
0: And is constant kind of the word that keeps coming to mind and maybe is in the news a lot there? I mean, I think it's what, like 80% of the population only knows just her as as monarch, nobody else.
3: That's right. And, um, you know, you think back to her 15 prime ministers. She um, uh, invited Liz Truss, her 15th, to Balmoral only a couple of days ago and invited her to form a new government. Her first prime minister was... Winston Churchill. So that um, connection into the past through one person is really quite powerful. That span of life and, and connection between generations and for that to sort of to to leave us all in one go is is a uh, is a, a, a shocking uh, a moment.
2: I'm I'm guessing that uh, I know I'm uh, old enough that she has been uh, the queen there as long as I've been alive. And I don't know how old you are, Jack, but I'm guessing that that's the same with you. How do you process this uh, at a kind of personal, emotional level? Because on the one hand, uh, you say it's a shock. But, you know, she was 96. So it it can't be that much of a shock. On the other hand, uh, this is somebody who, as long as you've been on this earth, has been in that position.
3: Yes, I mean the, the the Queen was a symbol of national unity and national identity, and um, that is sort of what she did just by being. And um, you know, the country has lost. So, sort of the the in a lot of ways the national grandmother and you know she, she not only as that but also a real life grandmother and mother and great-grandmother um to children grandchildren and great-grandchildren and it's um in the same way that the royal family will be coming together now to mourn their tremendous loss the country as a whole will be doing the same thing and and i go back to what i said at the start i think when you suffer a loss this great it does take some time to process what is happening i think everyone listening will will probably know what it's like to have lost someone large in, in their life and it might seem strange because you know most people in in the uk won't have met the queen but they will feel very much as if they knew her, because in, in in many real ways, they did.
0: Jack Kessler, writer, columnist, author of the Evening Standards West End Final newsletter. I mean, you've been many times. You yes. can't turn a street corner or go to a pub or go anywhere without seeing her face.
2: No, and, and uh, I was telling you, Mike, before we went on the air, many years ago, I was in London uh, early morning, passing by the front of Buckingham Palace, maybe it was 630 or whatever, and uh, gates open, big procession of, of very impressive looking
0: automobiles. Yeah, something's happening.
2: Yeah, and, and there in, in one of them was clearly uh, Queen Elizabeth, who then waved, and I, I <laughs> turned around, there's really nobody on the street. Me? It's me? <laughs> yeah, so it was like, you know, you wave back, and it's like, okay, <laughs> and it was uh, bizarre.
4: I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and to the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong.
0: That was the Queen ahead of her coronation, 1952, just before her father died. She would go on to serve as Queen of the UK for another 70 years. Eldest son now taking over, King Charles III. With us to discuss from London is Mark Borkowski, author and renowned publicist. Mark, thanks for being with us. We were just hearing what a constant she was through all these years. What are your thoughts today and then is there some sort of wondering what happens now? I mean she was pretty much the brand she was the u k when you thought of that country when you thought of Great Britain, you saw her face
5: well i mean that's that's um, that's uh, that's a is a very sad moment i mean you know to be um uh, to be met with this news today, which was speculated, and then to see all the news channels, all the TV channels, all locked in um, to, to the news rolling coverage of it. Um, I don't think the country's seen anything like it in, in the modern era, certainly not in 70 years. And she wasn't a brand, she was a matriarch. Um, she was the mother of the nation. Um, she represented sort of lost values that, um, um, that, that have, have, have soon passed, you know. Tolerance, decency, respect—many of those things are now um, in the rearview mirror. Um, And she was uh, respected by the Commonwealth, the old Empire, Um, and she was a figurehead of state. And of course, you know, it's come at a at a very unsettling time. What with Brexit and the war in Ukraine and the cost of living crisis, it's really unsettled the nation. And I've always felt that this would have a profound psyche. A profound effect on the psyche of the nation. Um, it, it would hit us pretty hard. And that, that seems to be the case. As in this, this, pouring rain is, this, is autumnal autumn weather now. There are massive crowds around Buckingham Palace. And, um, you know, as the events of the state will unfold, we'll see an ever-changing story.
2: So let, let me ask you this, Mark, because you mentioned in in passing just now that all of those values, some might call them old-fashioned, however you want to characterize them, are now in the rearview mirror. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you suggesting that Charles, now King Charles, will not be able to somehow muster any of those feelings again?
5: No, I don't think so. I, 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 don't, I think that um, for a for a generation who has grown up with the Queen, um, certainly those the level of spec that she she generated was there for all to see. Um, but there's a new generation now, you know, with a with a modern view uh, of life. I mean, and many would say is, um, is is reflected in the way that um, Meghan Markle has uh, conducted herself uh, in many ways that um, her husband. <laughs> Um, Prince Prince Harry, you know, articulates for a younger generation. For a younger generation, they they haven't they they didn't experience the post-war years. They they didn't grow grow up with with, with the same view of history. Uh, and so, for Charles, is going to be an interesting thing. And for the Commonwealth, will they want him to be the head of state? Will they want their own sense of determination? Do they do they want his head? um on their on their currency do they do they see him as the same figurehead and i think that there has been a lot of planning and thought gone into as the queen has entered her into the winter of her years of what the monarchy will look like and we've seen messaging there's going to be a slimmed down monarchy um and in fact you know i think the tipping point for the disruption that has been caused by um megan and um harry um, was a moment for her annual speech at Christmas, where um, great significance was placed on the uh, the pictures that were surrounded her her drawing room. You know, pictures of of Charles and Camilla, of uh, William and Kate, and the family. There was no iteration of any other members of the royal family, and we've seen a huge turbulence. Um, you know, with um, Prince Andrew and the Epstein affair. And, uh, obviously the big Oprah Winfrey interview and the way that that was greeted. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's all change. It's all turbulence and how the, uh, the ship of state will have sailed through that has been with her at the helm. Um, she's no longer at the helm. She has now passed and it's going to be a very difficult, um, job for Charles to represent her values in a modern 21st century society driven by modern media, particularly social media, that had a great impact on that brand.
0: That's from London. Mark Borkowski, author, renowned publicist. Mark, thanks. It's that, you know, we played the clip there, that old fashioned sense of, I think, responsibility people are talking about today. She said, I'm going to do this till the day I die. And 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 she did.
6: And with the passing of the second Elizabethan age, we usher in a new era in the magnificent history of our great country exactly as Her Majesty would have wished, by saying the words, God save the king.
2: Queen Elizabeth was quite popular here in the U.S. Some people here are reacting to the news with sadness as well as if she was the American queen. With us now, Sandro Manetti, who is a royal expert and journalist as well as trustee of the Queen's Charity in America, the Royal Society of St. George. Also, we're joined by USC historian Deborah Harkins, who is in London right now. She specializes in British history. Both of you, thanks for being with us. Sandra, why do so many Americans have a an affinity, had an affinity, toward the British monarch? Permanence,
7: 70 years in charge. American presidents never last more than eight years. Imagine trying to keep your popularity rating up for seven decades. Uh, That was quite an achievement. The Queen was able to do it. Also, one of the reasons she did it was she never dabbled in politics. She was somehow above all that. She was a figurehead, a leadership figure, an emotional rock when you needed one. And she's always been there. This is a turning point in history. Um, it's, uh, It's hard to imagine a life without her, but now we've got one.
0: Deborah, since you're there, what have you seen as we've gone through the uh, now evening hours for the Londoners? All right. Looks like we might have lost Deborah's connection. So, Sandra, we'll come back to you and we'll we'll check on that. But you talk about the permanence and and how long this reign has lasted. What about the uncertainty going forward? I mean, she's not only the head of state and the monarch there in the UK, but it's what, 14, 15 of the Commonwealth countries?
7: Yes, well, what happens now is what the British establishment have codenamed Operation London Bridge. And that is the transition from the reign of Queen Elizabeth II to King Charles III um, and all that goes on with that in terms of the uh, the pomp and pageantry um, and the, uh, the, the period of mourning, the state funeral. But then it comes up to Charles. He's now the boss. He's had a lifetime to think about it. Will he set a new course for the monarchy? Will he keep it as it was with his mother? Um, you know, uh, I don't know anyone who has the answer to that question. We will we will find out. It's going to be fascinating to see.
2: Deborah Harkness, you're back with us, I, I believe. Um, I am. So th- the question that that we had posed a little bit earlier to to uh, Sandro, uh, to you as as well, do so many Americans have an interest in the royal British royal family and Queen Elizabeth in particular? I mean, is, it's not because we regret having a revolution, is it? What, what is the reason?
8: It's a great question and I, I think it's it certainly has something to do with the the fascinating contrast between our political system which is fueled by regular uh, change over you know every, every few years in our political situation and their the English relative stability. You know, I'm here with my 84-year-old mother and she the queen was 12 years older than her when she was born in Liverpool in 1938. And she literally cannot remember a world in which there was not an Elizabeth Windsor. And I think for us in our very um, mercurial political landscape, there's something deeply intriguing about that notion that there would be both continuity and change.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you start looking at some of the the little nuggets of information that come out people go you know what hawaii wasn't a state yet or you have to go back x amount of generations and then you get to the revolution like it's not that far detached from history this reign and i mean this is why some people get caught up in the uh, the the jewels on the ground or the regalness but this is a also a worldwide historical event that just happened absolutely um
8: the queen was you know part of most major diplomatic decisions or right standing, you know, near her father for them, you know, from World War II on. Um, You know, she served the war effort when she was a princess. And, uh, you know, I I was just watching um, uh, Canada's prime minister talk about how he never realized that the last time he saw her was the last time he was going to, he was ever going to see her and that he, how much he would miss her counsel. She just literally had such an overarching sense of the world stage and both again, the continuity and the change. And what an extraordinary resource for the whole all of us, no matter whether we're we're British or not.
0: USC historian Deborah Harkness in London right now. Sandro Minetti, royal expert journalist as well as a trustee of the Queen's Charity in America, Royal Society of St. George. You think that's that's something that was a commonality among all these world leaders, however they rose to power and, and did all these elections, and then they would meet the Queen, and they go, oh, my man, I met the Queen. <laughs> like, well, uh, it was well, a yeah, big
2: thing. Yeah, and the other thing, I was just looking at uh, a statistic uh, that she reigned for just about 30 percent, ...of the history of, of the United US. States of America. Yeah. If you, you know, you take... We're not 70, that old of a country. No. 30% of the entire history of this country, she has been queen oh, of yeah. the UK. This is a special edition of K and X In-Depth, the death of
0: Queen Elizabeth with Mike Simpson. I'm Charles Feldman. The queen united the country during her 70 years on the throne. This is her speech during the early days of the pandemic in 2020, when the country went into lockdown, wanted to assure everyone that things were going to be okay.
4: We will succeed, and that success will belong to every one of us. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again.
2: With us now is Seal Otnis, head of the Department of Business Administration at the University of Illinois. She's the co-author of Royal Fever, the British Monarchy and Consumer Culture. We're also joined by a friend of our show, Darren Adam, presenter at LBC Radio out of London. Both of you, thanks for being with us. Darren, I'm going to start with you, and I'm not going to mince words with you because we know from you being on the program many times before, you are certainly not a royalist. You're not a, a fan of the monarchy. I don't think it was a personal thing with you. It's just you didn't agree with that system if I got that right. So what? would somebody like you be thinking now, because there are many people in your country who I'm sure do think like you?
1: Well, there has been a conversation, a national conversation for quite some time about whether the monarchy sensibly continues after the death of the queen. And of course, we have a a new king, King Charles. Prince Charles is now King Charles. There will absolutely be, I think, fairly, fairly soon, uh, that conversation will come back to uh, to be part of what we talk about in the country, whether a monarchy in 2022 and beyond for the UK is the appropriate way to proceed. Personally, and you touched on it there, Charles, I obviously, this goes without saying, um, I'm saddened by the, the death of anybody. And uh, d- despite the fact that the Queen was 96 years of age and lived a very long and, and healthy and, and happy life, um, I think a lot of people will nonetheless be saddened and shocked even if they take the view that I take that the institution of the monarchy is not one that we would wish to uh, see continue that isn 't new and that's you know that 's not breaking news on a, on a, a day of breaking news um, She was a very popular Individual And anyone who takes the view that the monarchy is not the best system would, would nonetheless, I think, in most cases, be able to agree with that.
0: Was there a split and is there a split among a lot of people where it's, OK, we really liked her. It's the rest of the family that there's too much drama. We don't like them.
1: I think with some people, I mean, I, I took the view that the individuals were and the personalities were irrelevant. If your view that the monarchy is the wrong institution is is the view that you have, then it follows that you don't really care one way or the other about the individual personalities. But obviously, the royal family is full of people who are uh, some of whom are much less popular than others, shall we say. And I would I would suggest that the most popular member of the royal family for as long as I can remember, probably has been the Queen.
2: Seal, so let me uh, bring you into into this. I'm intrigued by the title of your book, "The British Monarchy in Consumer Culture." Can you explain, and how does that relate? Do you think to now? <laughs>
9: So, yes. So the book is really about how and why people, quote unquote, consume the British royal family brand, as we call it. We aren't the first people to coin that term or, or to look at the royal family as a brand, but, it, you know, it's undeniable that... um The British royal family uh, has permeated consumption. Um, We have, you know, every chapter in our book could have been a book. We have a chapter on all the media representations in terms, you know, the TV and the films, et cetera. We're now even about to have a movie on Richard III, who's been dead for 600, a a long time, Uh, you know. (laughs) And um, uh, it's just that uh, people somehow find themselves spending money on royal related uh I, products I, services I, or experiences and so, yeah go
0: ahead you no just i just cut out for you, a second you cut out a little I, bit. i'm curious though i mean how much oh. has especially things gotten even bigger over the last few years because there's a certain show on netflix called the crown
8: yes
9: and it has helped bolster the um, popularity, as has the management of several touristic uh, experiences in London and around London uh, by, say, historic royal palaces, which runs the Tower of London and Hampton Court, and then by the decision to open up Buckingham Palace for tourists. So uh, it is um Uh, The royal family is a subject of global fascination Um, everywhere from America, where there's, of course, a big um, Anglophilic culture to China, which has seen people build villages with like replica uh, Winston Churchill statues and castles and palaces. So. There's a mystique about the royal family that even as the curtain has lifted due to social media and uh, mass media before that, um, people are still fascinated by this family. Um, As far as the queen, what's sort of ironic about her role in the family is she has been a sort of a low drama figure in a family that um, is often ensconced in drama. So um, I think of her as the great reassurer and the constant, the force of constancy. If you look at what's being said about her in the media today, people just sort of—I think she sort of was the rock.
0: Yeah. You
2: know? So all right, but Darren, Darren, uh, with Queen Elizabeth. Now, gone, uh, and she was such a, a draw, uh, as Seal pointed out, uh, in terms of consumer culture. Do people in the U.K. anticipate a, a drop-off? Uh, I mean, I hate to be you know crude in terms of business and money, but a big part, as you well know, of the monarchy there is it attracted tourists.
1: But I think it's the buildings. As much as anything else, the Palace of Versailles, as I've often observed, is a bigger tourist attraction than Buckingham Palace. So, the, it's not necessarily true that the the sad passing of of one individual, albeit the the, the individual at the very top of the institution, is to answer your question directly going to impact on 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 tourist numbers in the UK and also i i don't think that's a question that anyone is really considering tonight if i'm
0: honest Darren Adam LBC radio out of london Darren thank you and Seal Ottenus department of business administration university of illinois and the book royal fever the british monarchy and consumer culture
4: this acre of english soil is now bequeathed in perpetuity to the American people in memory of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy, who in death my people still mourn, and whom in life they loved and admired.
0: You're listening to a special edition of X In-Depth, the death of Queen Elizabeth, Mike Simpson, and Charles Feldman.
2: Though the uh, U.S. separated from Great Britain nearly 250 years ago, the two countries are the closest of allies, Queen Elizabeth is a big reason for that. Here she was during a visit in the U.S. before and during an address to Congress.
1: There will be an enormous amount of applause going on. I'm told there will be many interruptions. Um, nice ones, 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 I think. Friendly ones, yes, absolutely.
2: Yes. Mr.
10: Speaker, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, His Royal Highness the Duke of
4: I do
2: hope you can see me today from where you are. <laughs> Elizabeth met with 13 U.S. presidents during her reign of 70 years. The first was Harry Truman with us now to discuss the relationship between Queen Elizabeth and American presidents is historian Barbara Perry, director of Presidential Studies at the University of Virginia's Miller Center and co-director of the Presidential Oral History Program. Barbara, thanks for being with us. Did, did presidents, and I presume they enjoyed talking to her, did they because she had this incredible, I would imagine, uh, knowledge is inside her of all other discussions she's had with world leaders, and she and they knew That unlike many other spheres of of our lives nowadays, anything she said to them or they said to her would not leak out. Right.
6: How unusual Yeah, (laughs) in politics, but especially today. You know, they called uh, upon her death. It was actually Harry Truman called Eleanor Roosevelt the first lady of the world. And, uh, maybe we could call Queen Elizabeth now the late monarch, uh, the queen of the world. Uh, just to your point that she had traveled to well over a hundred com- countries. She knew uh, heads of state and leaders, uh, from the 1940s and 50s onward and, uh, had a, an approval rating like I don't think any president in this country's ever had except, uh, on the occasion of a, a wartime situation.
0: So they could get. The advice, or they could at least be talking, and the PMs would do this too. If they had a major decision to make, apparently they would go and talk it over with her. And she couldn't tell them what to do because, you know, this is a constitutional monarchy. But they would at least have her as a sounding board. Was there another factor too where it's almost like you're meeting a historical figure? Because presidents come and go. They all think they're going to be the best one. But at least for these 70 years, she was here before they got here. And she was going to be there after they left the White House.
6: Well, this is it. And the and the way I put this into perspective is that you know the first president that she had met even before she became queen was Truman uh in nineteen fifty-one and then when she was placed on the throne in fifty-two, he was still president. And she was their head of state, the constitutional monarch, as you say no political power, really no governmental power as such, but the head of state, we combine that role in our president is a head of state and head of government. And so just imagine if Harry Truman had been our president for 70 years, our head of state for 70 years, um, so that I'm sure you've heard the statistic now that nine out of 10 Britons uh, have never known any other queen to sit on the throne or any other monarch.
2: So is there any historical record of any U.S. president perhaps actually acknowledging that maybe they took some advice from her?
6: That I don't, I wouldn't say that, but I wouldn't say that I don't know that there has never been an example of that. But because she is, I think people will still be using the present tense for a long time, because she was the head of state, and because she had met with so many of them and her prime ministers uh, and leaders around the world. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if in their conversations they didn't range beyond small talk or in, with Reagan, for example, they both loved horses. And so they rode horses together at Windsor and she came and visited his uh, California ranch, um, to see his horses. And, um, I, I would imagine that they went farther afield than that, but in terms of, of actually getting an advice, I, I can't cite uh, any specific example of that.
0: She wouldn't have said, but do we think she had a favorite?
6: Um, that is true. She would never have said, um, I think that I can pick out, uh, I think Reagan was among them. I really do. Again, because of their mutual interest in, in horses and his assistance to Great Britain during the Falklands War for which she knighted him. She gave him an honorary knighthood. I understand she and uh, Eisenhower, uh, who probably had more of a mother-daughter relationship and the older she got and the younger our presidents got, it became more of a son-mother or grandmother relationship. But I understand that she kept up quite a correspondence with Eisenhower. I think she had a soft spot for the Obamas. Uh, and you can see that in the picture where Michelle Obama sort of went outside the bounds of protocol. You're not supposed to touch the monarch, but she put her arm around her. And she towered over this little queen. She put her arm around her and the queen put her arm around Michelle Obama. Um, So I I think that there was some, some favoritism there as well.
2: So does this sort of relationship between presidents and British monarchs, do you think, extend to now King Charles?
6: We shall certainly see. Uh, Every monarch uh, creates uh, his or her own image. and so it, it remains to be seen. But I think the good news for the uh, the alliance, the Atlantic Alliance, as we call it, the very heart of NATO uh, and how we stood strong in World War Two. And this is how this alliance came to be with Churchill and Franklin Roosevelt and all through the Cold War and the war on terror. Um, I, I think it will remain. But he may have a, a different relationship, as I'm sure he will, as a 70 plus year old man. He's just bound to have a different kind of personality. He is interested, for example, in climate. Um, so that may be something that um, he has a link to the United States on. And so I think he'll have his own relationship. But I, I don't think that this will change in any bad way, the alliance. I think it will it will remain strong. Now, the only difference would be, for example, if Trump were to be reelected, we know how he felt about NATO and the North Atlantic alliance. So um, that could cause a change. But I don't think this change in the monarchy will.
0: Historian Barbara Perry, Director of Presidential Studies, University of Virginia's Miller Center.
2: You're listening to KNX In-Depth's special edition, The Death of Queen Elizabeth, with Mike
0: Simpson. I'm Charles Feldman. As we've been saying, the Queen was the longest reigning monarch of 70 years. TV was in its infancy when she took over in 1952 as Queen, so here she is in the 50s.
4: I very much hope that this new medium will make my Christmas message more personal and direct. It's inevitable that I should seem a rather remote figure to many of you, but now, at least for a few minutes, I welcome you to the peace of my own home. That it's possible for some of you to see me today is just another example of the speed at which things are changing all around us.
0: We both kind of smiled when she said, in this new medium. It's <laughs> television, just, It's yeah. wild. It was television, of course, that helped make her
2: a global face, one that America just well, fell in love with. With us now is Brendan McConville, historian at Boston University. He's done research on America's fondness for the British monarchy that really took shape in the 1800s. Brendan, thanks for being with us. So that far back, I mean, that's before... TV and social media and, I don't know, upstairs, downstairs and the crown. Why did this affinity happen that far back?
10: Well, it really does even begin before the before the American Revolution. The British monarchs were tremendously popular. And then, of course, the revolutionary generation, you know, they fell out. and They became incredibly unpopular. But after the American Civil War, there's a kind of fixation on Queen Victoria. And, of course, there's a massive even though there was no television there's a massive print culture of newspapers many cities had numerous newspapers and amazingly many of these newspapers follow the british monarchy and bring that sort of information about that monarchy into american homes and they become very caught up uh, in the in the reign of queen victoria who was before queen elizabeth the longest reigning queen i believe victoria was second and the first queen elizabeth was the third they were all long-reigning monarchs and uh They became very caught up in her her life and what was going on with her family. And that's sort of the beginning of this sort of modern uh, American obsession with monarchy. I'm wondering,
0: I'm wondering, though, and I'm sure you've seen plenty of posts online. Uh, We talked about this before a little bit, a different perspective. Someone who's not a monarchist over there saying, look, I'm sad she died. Seems like a nice woman. But I disagree with the institution. There's also plenty out there saying, why are people sad at all? Terrible things happen. That's why we speak English. Uh, They were colonizers. So. Is some of this, you know, you can mourn her, but not that empire that preceded her?
10: Well, um, of course, the empire is now gone, effectively, except there's, you know, there are a few outposts of empires left. And, of course, the question of Northern Ireland uh, is a major question. But uh, in the British Commonwealth, I think there is a lot of um, sort of sentiment. Maybe it's time to stop our sort of ceremonial tie to the British monarchy, uh, in part because of the heritage of, you know, the, the legacy of colonialism. Uh, in the Great Britain itself, in in, in 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 England and Wales, and I think also even in Scotland, although there is a movement towards independence uh, in Scotland, I, I think there's a lot of affection for the family. There was tremendous respect for her uh, in the British Isles. I can remember being there in the 1980s uh, and living. I lived in London in the 1980s, and just everyday people that you would meet uh, who would discuss the Queen, they, they expressed... Tremendous affection and respect and pride uh, in the monarchy. I do think in the British Commonwealth, which is composed of numerous countries around the world, I think the sentiments are different. And you may see that this her death brings on a a kind of change in those societies in which they no longer are formally part of the British Commonwealth or no longer uh, um, uh, ceremonially adhere to the British monarchy. So there may be a change there.
2: Do you think that there's a sizable percentage of Americans that just would like to have a monarchy back?
10: I don't know. I don't think Americans necessarily want a monarchy, but they they like watching a monarchy. They see it somehow as a cross between uh, tradition and reality TV. I think I think that's they're very caught up in it, and um, in a way that almost seems, given the sort of anti-monarchical uh, origins of our society, it seems it fantastic that so many Americans. But I do think that part of it is the medium of TV, which allows people to see both these. Uh, European, especially British royal families, on TV and the, dra- the dramas of you know about British aristocracy, Downton Abbey, uh, as you say, and, and upstairs, downstairs, and all, the, the, all these others about the British aristocracy. They've created a, a cult of fascination with the British monarchy, which has really deeply become deeply rooted now in America,
0: especially among a certain generation. I mean, Diana,
10: yeah, Diana, very much so. Diana and, to, in, in a sense, uh, uh, Prince William and Prince Harry there's a kind of uh, fixation on them that really defies uh, explanation in a way because most Americans don't want a monarchy, but they're obsessed with the British monarchy. (laughs) And it's sort of hard to explain.
0: Yeah, well, here we are. Brendan McConville, historian, Boston University.
11: The Queen looked down from this balcony with her father at the end of the Second World War in 1945. She looked on at, at the end of her coronation in 1953, 69 years ago today. But here, after 70 years as our sovereign, she's getting a huge happy birthday.
0: This is a special edition of Kagan X In-Depth, the death of Queen Elizabeth, Mike Simpson, and Charles Feldman.
2: Now, that was from the Queen's Jubilee this summer, 70 years as Queen of the UK. The Queen's influence around the world cannot be understated. She was a global icon people in countries around the world became fascinated with her and the royal family. Jackie Jordan is a pop culture and entertainment expert. She also follows the royal family. Jackie, thanks for being with us. What is the imprint that Queen Elizabeth in particular, let alone the royal family, uh, has had on pop culture, do you think?
12: Well, Mike and Charles, thanks so much. You know, she's one of the public figures that all of us, have had in our entire lives. There's very few people on this planet left that, you know, predate her existence. So like she's universal in the, in the strangest of ways, whether you, you like the monarchy or not. And you can't help but take in the imprint that she has had on pop culture, especially, you know, in the, the recent years, if we think about all of the, uh, actresses that have played her, um, I know that the Netflix, uh, viral hit series, The Crown, uh, starring, um, uh, was one of those was one of those shows that really humanized her. It starred Claire Claire Foy and then Olivia Colman. It's one of those shows that, like, humanized her, especially as, you know, most of us, especially the younger generation, remember her as a grandmother. But also think about all the times where she, um, you know, canonized uh, talents and then she gave them the title of Sir. We have Sir Paul McCartney and we've got Sir Anthony Hopkins. Um, You know, so she's definitely had an imprint in, uh, in, in her time period. She's had 15 prime ministers. She has met all the United States presidents in her terms. So it's hard to um, neglect the the impact that she's just had on uh, arts, entertainment and culture.
0: I remember a Twitter thread and this was, I don't know, a few months ago. And it was someone saying, like, who do you think the most recognizable person on the planet is? And, and people were going around saying, well, you know, they did some surveys or whatever. And people say, oh, The Rock, like everyone knows the big movie stars or or someone like or the U.S. president sometimes. Um, but then somebody in the comments goes, oh, you guys, it's the queen. First off, she's been around this long. And second, she's on the money for so many countries. You know what her face looks like.
12: And do you know all that money has to change now? Part of, part of that process is that the money will be changing. It's, I guess, New Zealand, Canada and Australia, uh, as well as um, the UK, but it will be interesting. I guess, I guess I I assume they're going to put Prince, uh, King Charles on the new, um, the new, uh, Money, so that ought to be an interesting experience too, but yes, as you say, you know that there's that there's that impact that she's had you know on money um it, yeah it's, it's 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 also I just think about the time that you know technology because if her father was um King Edward the uh sixth and he was you know brand new to radio and he was the stuttering king. And we think about, you know, having gone from radio to where we are now with, you know, social media and all that technology that she's lived through. It's like it's so she's like a, you know, practically a centurion at this point.
2: Jackie, let me ask you something. Do you think that people uh, were so fond of her precisely because she was a cipher, wasn't she? I mean, nobody really knew except her family what she was actually like so people could project onto her whatever they wanted to i mean i've heard a lot of people this morning who clearly had never met her saying oh she was such a nice woman well they don't know do they
12: <laughs> i love that you said that because i think that is such an important part of understanding the enigma it's so funny because i think about um uh, mother Teresa in in context to that because we kind of didn't know mother Teresa, but i had had a second hand um experience with a woman who spent you know 60 to 90 days with mother teresa um there and she thought it was going to be a spiritual experience and she thought the woman was you know was from hell and so i you know i had a (laughs) secondhand experience of what like you know someone's actual interaction with mother teresa was like but you're absolutely right like most of queen elizabeth's um Anybody who have met her met her in such the formal, uh, formal situation where you know that's like rehearsed and it's it's protocolled and ritualized. Like actually as a woman, I have no I I couldn't even imagine. And I you know I don't I don't even did she you know actually even feed her babies, you know in the way it's <laughs> because an I mean, interesting it's, question I don't right, know right because. Queens don't typically nurse and feed their babies. They usually have um, you know, nursing babies. You don't and you don't you don't get that humanized side of it. Most of what we learned about Queen Elizabeth, especially I'm Generation X, you know, was through the tabloids. Um and you know, she was is she, you know, and, and her low point for sure publicly was with Princess Diana got killed. So, you know, she wasn't very she wasn't popular, she didn't handle it well. um, you know, she thought she was uh an ice princess you know, there's, there's, you know, there's still some lingering rumors that, you know, uh, Princess Diana was murdered. So there's, you know, there was all of that, but we, 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 what we knew about Queen Elizabeth was really what came off the the tabloids, you know, was she going to, was she going to accept Camilla as, you know, as Prince Charles' wife? And, um, it's hard to even think of Camilla at this point as, you know, the queen consort at this at this time.
0: Yeah, it's going to take a lot of getting used to, and and we remember that that period and all those questions, and then you know, movies have now been made, TV shows have now been made about it, and then to rebound in the popularity uh, up until up until this point, up until today, we we're just mentioning how, and and this is how we'll end here. You know, we you get snippets of personality, and we had a couple clips where you know. She made jokes, and apparently she had a really good sense of humor. People close to her say. So they say. So they say. Uh, We wanted to end with this. It's a story of, it was on Sky News a couple years ago, and it it was coming back today, so we pulled it. It's one of her police protectors who was talking about a time when he was hiking with her out in the Highlands somewhere, and uh, we'll end it here. We'll let him tell you.
11: But there was two hikers coming towards us, and the Queen would always stop and say hello. And it was two Americans on a walking holiday. And it was clear from the moment that we first stop, they hadn't recognised the Queen, which is fine, and the American gentleman was telling the Queen where he came from, where they were going to next, and where they'd been to in Britain, and I could see it coming, and sure enough, he said, Her Majesty, and where do you live? <laughs> and she said, well, I live in London, but I've got a holiday home just the other side of the hills. <laughs> and he said, well, how often have you been coming up here? Oh, she said, I've been coming up here ever since I was a little girl, so over 80 years. And you could see the clogs thinking, he said, well, if you've been coming up here for 80 years, you must have met the Queen. I and as it. quick as a flash, he says, well, I haven't, The Dickie meets her regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy said to me, Well, oh, you've met the Queen, what's she like? And because I was with her a long time and I knew I could pull a leg, I said, oh, she can be very cantankerous at times. <laughs> but she's got a lovely sense of humour. Anyway, the next thing I knew, this guy comes around, puts his arm around my shoulder. And before I could see what was happening, he gets his camera, gives it to the queen, and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? (laughs) Anyway, we swapped places, and I took a picture of them with the queen, and we never let on. And we waved goodbye, and then Her majesty said to me, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows us photographs to the friends in America, (laughs) and hopefully someone tells him who I am.
0: (laughs) Someone tell that man who I am. Yeah, wow. That's interesting. Uh, In-depth. KGNX In-Depth for today. We'll be back tomorrow.